to those in the LGBT groups. There seems to be no way of winning them over to Christ. We may have already discussed this before, uh, and we have talked some about that general subject, but uh, we'll look in detail at this question here. Um, and I'll read it again. Christians still seem to struggle with finding scriptural and loving responses to those in LGBT groups. There seems to be no way of winning them over to Christ. Uh, I want us to start with, with a couple of thoughts and directions that we're going to go. Uh, one is talking about our obligation and how we treat people and how we view people. The other has to do with understanding that the loving thing to do for a person in sin is to help them and not celebrate their sin. And what, what is considered loving by the LGBT community, the kind of love that they want, is not the biblical kind of love uh, that's offered. And, and the fact is, it says seem to be no way of winning them to Christ. We'll look at 1 Corinthians 6 in a few minutes. It talks about what the Corinthians used to be uh, before they became Christians. But the fact is, most drunk drivers are not going to become Christians. Most adulterers are not going to become Christians. Most fornicators are not going to become Christians. Most people are not going to become Christians. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so on this idea of loving, uh, Jeff, just before we uh, came on the air, you mentioned a passage about yeah, Mark, and Mark's account. Mark's account, of the, uh, Mark's account of Jesus' conversation with the man who comes to him and says, <clears throat> what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when you look at the various accounts, you see he was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. And so we often refer to him as the rich young ruler. And Jesus told him to sell, sell everything that he had and uh, to um, uh, give, give to the poor and come and follow Jesus. And, uh, but the way it's told in Mark is this. This is Mark chapter 10, verse 20. After he said he keeps all the commandments, Jesus, it says in verse 21, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go sell whatsoever you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Well, this man wasn't ready to do that and he went away sorrowful. What was this man's problem? He loved his riches more than he loved the Lord. And so he is a man who is stuck in his sin. Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and told him, go sell everything that you have. And so the point to be made here is this really is to be our approach with regard to someone who is in sin, rather than looking at them the way the self-righteous Pharisee did in Jesus' story about the Pharisee and the publican who went up to the temple. You remember that guy? Right. Said, oh, I think I'm not like those awful people, in essence. Jesus looked right, upon this man right. and loved him. And that's, that's our attitude, the attitude that we ought to have. And so to challenge ourselves in our audience about how we should view people and treat people, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, Jesus is having conversations with and eating meals with sinners. Um, <laughs> yes, sinners. Uh, now all the publicans and uh, now all the publicans and sinners were drawing near to hear him, and both the Pharisees and the scribes murmured and said, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." Well, of course, Luke nineteen ten, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, the lost. Uh, and of course, here he gives the parable of the hundred sheep. Which sheep? If you got ninety nine sheep in there in a safe place, and the one is 
off and lost, which one is the shepherd worried about? He's going for the one that's lost. Yeah, and then he gives a parable of the lost silver and the lost uh, son. And so a good way to challenge ourselves in our own attitudes is this. Um, if someone uh, has, in your community, uh, is interested in the words of the Lord, which these people were, and they've been greedy or they've been immoral or they've been uh, heavy, they've been drunkards, they've been uh, fornicators. If they are interested in the word of the Lord, are you going to sit down and talk with them? Would you, would you meet them and have them lunch with them or have them over to your house? And the answer should be? Sure. Yeah. Now, uh, just, what, to, just to interject something here, you know, there is uh, the story, uh, another story where Jesus was associating with tax collectors, and it's after he's chosen one of them to be one of his apostles, Levi, and Levi has this great feast for the tax collectors, and Jesus is there, and he was criticized by that, or yes. for that, by the Pharisees, uh, you know, why are you eating with sinners? Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. So the question for us is this. If I would do that for someone who is addicted to pain medication or, or addicted to an illegal drug or they, they've, they've, you know, committed crimes or, they're, or, or they're, they've been living a promiscuous lifestyle, if I would do that for them, the question is, would I do the same thing? for a person that's a lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, would I sit and talk with them? Would I try to help them? Would I sit down and have dinner with them? Would I let them into my house? And if we have a repulsive, then we need to adjust our attitude because Jesus did what? He associated... He, he ate with them. Now, let, let's, let's be careful here. Yeah. Would we have, we should be repulsed by sin. Yes. And if there is an individual who is, an, one of the, people, the reason people class publicans or tax collectors with sinners is because they were often extortioners. They were often people yes. who would take advantage of other people. And, and if I picture Jesus going and sitting down at dinner with the extortioners, you know, some people want to talk about those passages as if Jesus just liked to hang with sinners in a very non-judgmental way. Right. I, I don't see Jesus having dinner with the extortioners and not at all being repulsed by extortion. I said with the extortioners, they, they were tax collectors. Maybe there were some extortioners among them. I don't see Jesus sitting down and talking when I'm saying, oh, so um, so how, many, how much money were you able to get today? How many people did you rip off? And, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I, I hauled in this much. I took advantage of this little old lady, you know, and one thing or another. And I don't see Jesus going, well, you know, if, if, if that's how you roll, that's, that's cool. I, I wouldn't do it personally, but, hey, who am I right. to judge? <laughs> right, right. And so the sin is the problem. Jesus taught repentance. Yeah. But when he's talking to the woman at the well and he says, go get your husband, she says, well, I don't have a husband. She said, and, and in the Greek, it's go get your man. I, I don't have a man. Uh, well, you said truly you don't have a man because you've had five men and the man you have now is not your man. Uh, but then he's still engaged. You know, he's, he's, he's not approving of her lifestyle, No. but he engages her. He wants to help her, etc. Right. Basically. And so these, now here's another thing. These people are interested in hearing the word of the Lord. 
prostitutes came to John the Baptist in Jesus. They didn't come exposing themselves, you know, and, and, and looking for customers. There, you remember the sinful woman. We don't know exactly mm-hmm. of the details of her sin. But she comes to Jesus and what's her attitude? Oh, very, very meek and, and um, gratitude and has much gratitude for who Jesus is. Yes, yes. And so if a sinner wants to hear the words of the Lord, if a sinner is looking for help, then whether that person's sin has to do with, with being a cross-dresser or a homosexual or a lesbian or a bisexual or, 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 or these, these other sins, were to love them, were to try to help them, and were to talk to them. And we ought to be willing to spend time with them and to help them. Now, there might be some precautions you would take. Right. If you're trying to help a pedophile, mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask him over and say, listen, would you watch my kids while I, you know, step outside? Uh, of course, there are some precautions you're going to take, but there doesn't need to be an attitude on our part that, okay, well, here are the clean sins I'll talk to you. Ooh, but you did a creepy sin. I won't talk to you. But he, in practice, there is this. <clears throat> if, you, if there's somebody who is a homosexual and you have him into your home and he comes over and he starts saying, um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, well, my husband and I are planning to decorate the bedroom, blah, 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 blah. And, and there's, there are a lot of, there's a lot of the conversation that if we were to think of it in terms, say, a thief, if a thief came into your house and he's, right. they're going, uh, oh, yeah, well, my, my, my partner and I are going to rob this store Friday. Yeah, well, I, I need to leave by 8 because we've cased the bank. We, we could sit there and just ignore that and right. take it in stride. And, and the problem when we're talking about the LGBTQT, whatever I, all those letters are, community, we're talking about people who are who are living a lifestyle that they're no longer hiding it in the closet. They're wanting to bring it out and talk about, yes. Oh, my partner, this, my husband, this, my wife, this meaning a same sex husband, same sex wife, whatever. And we, we cannot just ignore right. that as if that's just normal. And so right. that, that's going to create some uncomfortable, yes. difficult and, situations. And that's partly the distinction I'm trying to make here is that if somebody is interested in hearing the Lord, Right. Not promoting their thieving. Right. Not promoting their drunkenness. Not promoting their uh, idolatry. They're interested in hearing the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Talk to them. You, you, you associate with them. You spend time with them. You can sit down and eat with them. Jesus is not telling these people. The, the Pharisee attitude is, oh, this man receives sinners. But Jesus' association with them is not there to approve of their sin. He's not there to just hang with them because he thinks they're cool. He's teaching the word of the Lord, and these are people that are coming. Like, like when later he will ask um, the question to the Jewish leaders who come to him in, in Matthew. They said, by what authority do you do these things? And Jesus said, well, I'll ask you a question. If you answer mine, I'll answer yours. And they didn't. But then he posed another thing to him. He said, man had two sons. He told them both to go in the field and work. One said, yes, sir, but didn't do it. The other said, no. But afterward, he repented and went. Mm-hmm. And they said, who did the will of father? And they said, well, the one that repented. And then what was Jesus's reply? Well, that, that one was the one who was justified. Yeah. And specifically, he said, he, he brings up the prostitutes there. Let me turn to the text. And yeah, read. they will go Matthew, into the kingdom before you do. Yeah. Matthew chapter 20. And I tell you what, 
if they had not already been planning to kill him before that, that would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Um, they said, so which did the will of the Father were in Matthew 21, verse 31. Matthew 21, verse 31. And they said, well, the first, Jesus said, truly I say to you, the publicans and the harlots, or the publicans and the prostitutes, go into the kingdom of God before you. Mm -hmm. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed. And you, when you saw it, did not even repent yourselves afterwards that you might believe it. So what you're getting at, Jesus came into a world of sin. Yes. He didn't sit up there in heaven looking down at that awful world. He came into a world of sin. And yes. so we're not of the world. We live in the world, and we're expected to have some contact with the world in order that we can be lights to the world. Yes. Um, and, and so rather than kind of going off and being religious hermits, uh, shutting ourselves off from everybody who needs the gospel, we need to be the kind of people who can, who can come across graciously and communicating the yes. gospel message graciously yes. and lovingly to people who need to hear it. And if you are spending time with and being a good friend to and a, a, a messenger of the gospel to share with them the word of Christ with a person who is HIV positive, uh, they've been a homosexual prostitute, they've been, uh, you know, whatever, you're going to have some people look at you funny because why would you talk to them? Why would you sit down and eat with them? Why? And you know what? We need to be able to ignore that because that's how the Pharisees treated Jesus. So we need to be loving and, and, and want to help people in sin. We, we don't need to separate into two categories, the acceptable sins and the unacceptable sins. Sin is not acceptable, but sin is forgivable because Jesus died for the sins of all. And we've got our own sins that we've committed and other people have their sins. Let's look at Titus chapter uh, three. Verse, let's start with verse two. Speak evil of no man to be, uh, not to be contentious, but gentle, showing meekness toward all men. For we also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love toward man appeared, not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so that's who we need. That's who they need. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, let's consider this. Um, what about a person, a drunkard, who's celebrating his drunkenness, who wants approval for his drunkenness? What about a fornicator who wants... And, and there are some people that are just looking to draw attention to themselves, and it's kind of in your face, and they, they, you have to honor what they're doing. I'll give you a quick example. Um, no young man works on the fire department in Baltimore, and he said, a man came up, and this fellow ended up making a complaint to the, I guess, the fire chief about this particular firefighter. Uh, and here's what he did. This was a 40-year-old man walking down the street in a diaper. <laughs> and he walked up to the fireman, and he chose to engage the fireman and start talking to him. And 
then he said, I want to speak to your supervisor or your chief or whatever. So he had to go in and get his chief and come out there. And he said, he said, this fireman rolled his eyes at me or made a face at me. This is a grown man standing there in a diaper. And, you know, and he's, he's registering his complaint that there was a visual reaction from a firefighter that conveyed, you know, non-approval of a 40-year-old man walking around in a diaper. And he said, I never learned to be potty trained. <laughs> I identify as a one-year-old. Yes, yes, yes. So he, he's, he's <laughs> learned the uh, progressive protesting skills or whatever and complaint filing skills of how to register complaints. But at 40 years old, he's never learned to potty train himself. And, and, I, and, and, and to be clear here, I, I think what you're saying is... Well, who, told, who taught him how to put the diaper on? I, I think what you're saying is all he was wearing was a diaper. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. Not, I, I mean, mean, some people... If he had a medical some, condition, he got the pins. Right. That's an entirely different thing. And most right. people with medical condition that wear the pins wear some pants. Right. You know, right. <laughs> this is a man where, walking around the street in public wearing nothing but a diaper. Yeah. Now... Um, you know, I, I think he kind of deserves a little bit of an eye roll. Um, this, when people are just like, look at me, you have to approve me. No, no, we don't. You know, uh, an adulterer, I don't have to approve an adulterer. Uh, a drunk driver, I don't have to, uh, a, just a drunk, I don't have to approve that. A heroin addict, I don't have to approve that. A thief, I don't have to approve that. And other people shouldn't approve the sins that I've done. And in this passage you were in just a minute ago, Scott, in Titus chapter 3, Paul goes on and makes it clear there are some kinds of conduct, there are some attitudes, there are some mentalities that we just have to reject. And so I'll read it. You read down to, I think, about verse 7, um, and then verse 8 says, and of course, just to rehash, the first seven verses are talking about how God has saved us out of our sins. And then verse 8, faithful is the saying, and concerning these things I desire that you affirm confidently to the end that they who have believed God may be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And then he says, but shun foolish questionings and genealogies and strifes and fightings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And he talks about a factious man after a first and second admonition refused, knowing such a one is perverted and and sins being self-condemned. And that's not a lack of love. It's not a lack of love, but right. it's a different. It's a we're dealing with a different scenario here than someone who's in sin and can be reached. And they're God. looking. Yeah, they want talking here about somebody who is right. flaunting their sin or loving their sin or trying to perpetuate their sin or propagate it amongst others. Yeah, check yeah. that, Drew. Yeah, uh, I had two questions, but you guys just answered the first one. But I'll ask it anyway. Your lack of approval, therefore doesn't mean you don't love them, right? But it will be construed, right. you're right, but it will be construed in today's culture by some as a lack of love. Yes. They equate love and approval. Yeah, which the leads, love they're looking for is approval and celebration. Okay, which leads to my second question, which relates to that. You've been talking about homosexual uh, behavior and all of those elements in that group as sin. Isn't the fact that you're, calling it sin a, a, a lack of love well john three sixteen, god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
for, for what purpose? Matthew one twenty one. You shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their Sin. sins. And that's probably a good point for us to turn to 1 Corinthians 6. Somebody read that passage for us, please. Because the church of Corinth had a variety of people, like uh, other churches do. And everybody comes out of sin. Uh, my sin, your sin, it's, it's sin. It's not to be approved of. It's sin. And it's been paid for in the blood of Christ. And we need to repent of it. So, so somebody starting in verse that. 9 in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, or, or know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men. Some translations here will say homosexuals, and both of these words really are talking about uh, same-sex relations. Right. Men, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, and he goes on, he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. We're yeah. not going to inherit the kingdom of God living in those conditions, but we right. can come out of that and be washed, sanctified, and justified. Right. So let's, let's take, uh, our question was, Christians seem to struggle with finding scriptural loving responses to those in the LGBT groups. And two of the things here would be in that, there seems to be no way of winning him over to Christ. Were some of these people won over to Christ? They absolutely were. Yes. Does our culture promote and celebrate this type of behavior? It yes. does. And not only in does. the Greek world, this was Corinth. Mm-hmm. This was Corinth. Mm-hmm. Corinth was a very wicked city. And it's Greece. Did Greece celebrate homosexuality? Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, not everybody, but a lot of people did. Uh, you go back uh, to writings uh, in, in um, Plato's Symposium, and you, you see a glorification of homosexual relations, of yes. man-boy relations. Yes. Uh, Lucian, the satirist, um, he wrote in the second century, of, uh, and he one of the things he wrote about was it was a debate, uh, describing a debate between two Greek men. One was debating that it's better to love women. And the other was debating the advantages of loving boys. And, and you know, it was a intellectual, philosophical background. No, women are better because, yada, yada. and then the other, no, boy. And, and in it, he describes that, and he, will, he would uh, have relations with, with the boy until the boy reached puberty. And then he would get another boy. Right. Were pedophiles. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people in Greek society that celebrated those things. Now, when Paul went to Corinth, did he say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to work with some of the Jews here and some of the Pharisees, try to reach him. I'll even reach out to the idolaters, but I'm not, I'm not going to help those homosexuals. No, that's not what he said. Otherwise, you wouldn't have these people who had been such things being washed, right. sanctified, and justified. But then again, should we say, would we say this? Um, Christians are having trouble you know, finding loving ways to deal with thieves and drunkards. Uh, there seems to be no way of winning them back to Christ. I think, no, that some, that you can't, that's just wrong on so many levels. The premise is wrong. The, the, the goal is wrong. Everything about that statement would be wrong. Christians, many Christians were thieves and, and have uh, come to Jesus Christ and been forgiven of their sin. And then in love, 
endeavor to teach others. They don't refrain from saying that stealing is bad, but they endeavor to teach others who are committing the same sins that they had once committed. So it is the obligation of the sinner to turn to Christ and to repent of sins. It is the obligation of sinners who have already done that to be reaching out to other people still in sin and helping them towards the truth. And in that process, in that process, are there people that claim the name of Jesus Christ who would have patience and love and care and willingness to be seen with and talked to, Yes, you know, some of these sins, but then would say, no, I'm not going to help that guy because that's... Oh, yeah. Well, there, there, there's that, that problem. That's, that's wrong. But we, it, Jesus, Paul didn't go into Corinth and say, I'll help these sinners, but not those. If I can put this, this way, I think, especially amongst the younger generation today, there is the idea that somehow the LGBTQT whatever community is needs some kind of special compassion or love. I don't believe there's any special or unique compassion or love that we are to show toward the LGBTQT whatever community that we don't show toward anyone who is in sin. The blood of Jesus is a very special gift, but it's not limited to us or to them. Everybody needs it the same. Right, right, right. I'm, I, if I if I look at somebody who is guilty of of homosexual sin and somebody else who is guilty of of stealing, I can have compassion for either one in that I can see, or somebody who's a drug addict, or somebody who's living in adultery, and and now has children in this adulterous relationship. I can have compassion and say, my what what a disaster your life has become because of yep. the sins you've committed and how how hard it's going to be to, yep. to walk away from all of that. And, and I can feel badly for them, yep. but there's no special love or compassion that I am to have for some, Oh, the sin you're guilty of is you sleep with somebody of the same sex. Well, then I have special feelings for you. Yep. No, we yep. love all of them. Want to help all of them come out of their sin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just each of these. And, and one of the differences in, is there is an attitude that if we're not careful, we can develop where we don't even want to try to help those people. Or if, if, if like, oh, we got a visitor at church. Oh, wait, he used to drink. Who? No, we, we'd say, oh, we got a visitor at church. Oh, we got a visitor at church. You know what? He's been selfish in his past. No, we're glad we got a visitor. Right. Oh, we got a visitor at church. Oh, he's been a homosexual. Right. No, that he needs the same thing everybody else right. needs. Right. And and so we should be like Jesus, and we should be like Paul. And then the other thing is, we live in a culture where this particular group of sinners tends to demand celebration. For instance, adulterers. There's no adulterer pride parade. No. You know, where all the adulterers in town, hey, if you're cheating on your wife, come out and we're going to have a parade and celebrate you're cheating on your wife. Most guys, or a lot of guys that cheat on their wife kind of try to keep it secret. Right. You know, they, 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 you know, they, they delete text messages. And, and, but if that changed, if all of a sudden our culture yes. were to be the sort where we were having adulterers pride day yes. and, um, and, and, 
everybody was proud to say, oh, I am an adulterer, would our stance change? And would we start saying, well, we need to be we need more to loving towards adults. No, they still need the same thing they needed before. That's right. Pedophiles. What if there's a pedophile parade day? You know, hey, all child molesters, we're going to march with, you know, pedophile pride. You shouldn't be proud of that. You know, it, you shouldn't be proud of that. It's not our duty to celebrate sin. Or how about this? Because this has been a popular topic lately. Men who, uh, who harass, who sexually harass women. Yeah. Uh, can we have yeah. love? Misogynist day. We don't have compassion for the fact that they sexually harass women, but yeah. we can love these men and, and reach out to them. And I can say, you know what? He's done that. That doesn't mean I'm not going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him and try and help him see that's not the way he ought to act. Here's the point right here that we're trying to make. Right. My attitude toward the homosexual who is willing to, to listen to the word of God yes. would be the same as my attitude toward the man who sexually harasses women but is willing to listen to the word of God. There's yes. no difference. And the man who has been covetous and the man who committed murder. Mm -hmm. They all need forgiveness and blood of Christ, and they need to repent, and they need to do what's right. We're, we're in an odd situation right now where there can be no compassion for a man who has sexually harassed women, but there must be uh, validation, compassion to the point of validation for the individual who sleeps with another man. So, and Jeff, Jeff that, that's the problem right there. Why do you think that is? Well, one difference is one would be consensual, the other not. So there, yeah, our, there's that difference. And let, let's do notice this. Sometimes people will say this. Um, no sin is greater than any other. All sins are the same. I don't think that's a correct statement. Um, when Pilate uh, was talking to Jesus, what did Jesus say about Pilate's sin in comparison to the Jewish leader's sin? He said they had the greater sin. Yeah, they had the greater sin. Mm -hmm. uh, if I think about killing you, have I sinned? Yes. Yeah, yeah. am I condemned before God? Yes. Five. Yes. No, wait, wait, wait. Not if you just think about killing me. You could, you could in, a, in a purely... Right, let me think. Well, I could shoot Jeff. I could hang Jeff. <laughs> but if I'm wanting to, if yeah. I'm, you know, I, I've got hatred in my heart and I want you dead. Yes. Jesus said, Matthew, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, thou shalt not kill. I'm saying, you know, don't have, even have these attitudes. Now, so if I want you dead and I'm dreaming about ways to kill you, but I don't kill you, have I sinned? Yes. Am I evil? Yes. Am I condemned before God? Yes. Am I, will I be damned? Yes. If I don't repent? Yes. 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 What if I dream about killing you and then I also kill you? Well, there are greater consequences. Uh, yes. There are greater consequences for me. Yes. greater consequences for you also. Yeah, the, the, the piling up of the number of sins makes it worse. Yet one of those both condemn me before God. They're both wrong. But if you had a preference, Jeff, in, in the option, you know, Scott's about to sin against you. He's either going to wish you were dead or he's going to wish you were dead and he's going to shoot you. Would you have a preference? I would. I would prefer that you choose. Yeah. Preference. So the fellow who lusts at the next one, Matthew five, you've heard that it said, "Don't commit adultery." I'm saying, don't even lust after her. If you lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Heart. 
So if you're lusting after your neighbor's wife, you're condemned. Yeah. That's sin. You're wrong. You're just as condemned as, as if you'd committed adultery with her. You're condemned. But would it be better if you would stop at that one and repent? It, it would be better. And here's, here's the thing. It's better not because you are further or not so far removed from Christ. Right. Either one will separate you from God. Yes. But when you actually commit adultery, and now, even if you then turn from that sin and you say, I am sorry, I want forgiveness, the ramifications are yes. going to be more. It's yes. going to be harder to deal with the situation. How, the relationship with your wife now is going to be a, a yes. difficult thing to repair. Whereas if you thought this in your heart, that'll just as surely separate you from God. But if you then stop there and take that thought out of your heart, you don't have quite as much aftermath to deal with. Yes. And the blood of Christ can pay for either one of them. Mm-hmm. And without the blood of Christ, you'll be condemned with either one of them. Mm-hmm. But listen to these verses to illustrate that the level of sin can get things more complicated. Jesus to Pilate, they have greater sin. Does that mean that Pilate is partly saved? <laughs> no. 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 Pilate's not partly saved, but was there, did Jesus say that there was greater sin from the people that arranged, you know, that brought him? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. Um, How about in 1 Corinthians 5, where Paul says, it's reported that there is fornication among you. And fornication of a sort that not even the Gentiles will commit. So here's a fornicator and here's a fornicator. Which one is condemned by God? Both Both of them. But this fornicator is also committing fornication with his father's wife. There is another layer of sin here, which increases the entanglement in the mess and the problem. So if you have a sexual misbehavior that's consensual, you've got one sin, and that'll condemn you. If you've got sexual behavior and it's non-consensual, you've got two sins. Right. And, and that type of thing. So there are, you, you can compound. Yeah, I mean, it, let's take, this is a good example. Real quick, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Was he lustful? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was, he, was he loving? No. Was he a pedophile? Yes. Was he a murderer? Yes. Was he a cannibal? Yeah. I, what wasn't he? Jeffrey Dahmer, while he was in prison, someone studied with him and baptized him for the remission of his sins. How do we feel about that? If we feel, man, I sure hope he wasn't forgiven, then we're not understanding right. the blood of Christ. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know all the details of it. I don't know his behavior after that. But if he truly repented and turned his life to Christ, then what would the blood of Christ do for him? It would then take away his sin. He'd, his sins would be white as snow. They'd be washed away. Yeah, yeah. And and if we think, well, no, 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 I wanted the blood of Jesus to wash away clean sins, not really ugly ones. Now I'm I'm Jonah. Now I'm deciding who gets to be forgiven and who doesn't. I'm getting ahead of God. On this thing, Scott, about the idea of of sins, not all sins being the same. All right, let's bring that back to heterosexual and homosexual sin. If I commit fornication, that could be... A man can be guilty of fornication by sleeping with a woman, or he can yes. be guilty of fornication by sleeping with a man. Yes. And in either case, he, he's, he's going to be condemned, and he needs yes. God's forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. But 
it, and, and sometimes I will say, you know, sin is sin. And that's true in the sense yes. either one will separate you from God. Yes. But there, in, in what you're talking about here, there is, there is something to think about where there is a difference in these two sins. The man who commits fornication with a woman, he has sinned. He needs to be forgiven, and he yes. needs to turn and refrain from that conduct in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, one thing that he can do is that uh, he can learn to have a committed love for a woman, and he can have his own wife, 1 Corinthians 7, let each man have his own wife, and he can, ha- he can enjoy sexual relations in that relationship. The man who commits fornication with a man, he has a problem compounded. Right. He needs to be forgiven of his sexual immorality, of his fornication. Yes. But he is going to struggle with what does he do with his sexual energy or his sexual desires. He's got something messed up in him beyond just this one act with this one man, and that has in that sense, it's a greater sin because it's going to be harder for him to fix his life. Uh, and, and with the adulterer also, because the fornicator could have the option to just marry the girl. Right. But the, the adulterer, he's, he's entangled himself in a situation where he is in love with his neighbor's wife. Exactly right. He's got a wife here that he's cheating on. He's sleeping with the woman next door and she's got a husband that loves her, mm-hmm. but he's, he's in love with her now. He's infatuated with right. her. And, he needs to stop his sin, but it's going to be more complicated for him because he's entered into a relationship with someone he doesn't, not going to have the right to be with. Uh, real quick story. Uh, I met a fellow, you'll remember this, Jeff, in downtown Providence back when we were working there in Rhode Island. And a uh, young couple came up uh, to the table there I had on the street and I started studying with him and he had a few problems. One, he was living with his girlfriend, living in fornication. Um, and he had been, uh, you know, uh, a drug abuser, but he had just gotten himself clean. That was good. And he was wanted, but he was a wanted fugitive, um, several charges against him and he, and then he jumped bail. Well, so I studied with him and they were baptized into Christ and got married same weekend. And I went with them down to you know, the court and he turned himself in and they put him in handcuffs and took him away. Uh, I did manage to talk to the prosecuting attorney, the DA or the police through the DA, DA through the police and explained the situation. And so they, they, they worked with us on that and they gave him probation, but you know, there, there were sins in his life that were complicated, but the fornication part, this was a girl he loved. She was single. He was single. And so instead of operating outside of God's law, he right. That, there was a good fix for that. They got married, and yeah. now they're not only okay to be together; they should be together. Another uh, story is if he, if, he, if, he, if it was a child, if it was his father's mother, if it was somebody else's wife, if it was somebody of the same gender. It would have been complicated by the fact that it wasn't somebody he had the right to be with. Another story from those that same period of time and the, the that same place when we were there in Rhode Island. A young man uh, had had been baptized into Christ. He had been living a homosexual lifestyle, and he was trying to get away from it. He still had a roommate who was a homosexual. Uh, now, what he needed to do was get out of that environment, sever some of those associations um, for his own sake. 
that he not be tempted. One of the things he was constantly hearing in just society in general and in his, and in his associations was, you're born this way. You can't help it. And so that's what people think when they're, they're having compassion or love for people and say, oh, you were born this way. You, you can't help it. They think they're being loving, compassionate. What that did to this young man was it, it, it destroyed his resolve as he would try to live a chaste life. He would keep hearing this message hammered away. He was born this way. He can't help it. And it undermined his resolve to try to live a chaste life. And so sometimes people need to understand when they're trying to be, have some special compassion or love for somebody in the LGBTQT community, they're doing the very most destructive thing they can toward those people. I want to share a picture with y'all real quickly. Some of you will remember this issue of uh, Sports Illustrated uh, some years ago. Um, and this was Sports Illustrated exclusive, the gay athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I didn't set out to be the first openly gay athlete in a major American sport, but since I am, I'm happy to start the conversation by Jason Collins, ESPN I'm, that day, you know, had was all about this and everything. And as news kept coming out, something very interesting. Now at the time he was playing pro ball in Europe, but previously to that he'd played in the NBA here in the United States, but then found out something very interesting. Which one of those is Jason Collins? I don't know. See, turns out he has an identical twin brother. Uh huh. They both played in the NBA. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now, the argument that says born that way, Jeff, you and I are not twins and we're not identical twins. No. But if we were identical twins, you've got blue eyes. If we were identical twins, what color would my eyes be? Blue. Yeah. If we were identical twins and you've still got a full head of hair, what would I have? A full head of hair. Unless disease or something happened. Uh, So, you know, now people talk about studies that have indicated a greater correspondence, you know, in, in orientation stuff among twins. But to say you're born that way, you yeah. know, one of these fellows is a homosexual, one is heterosexual, and uh, I believe has a wife and, and is a husband. And so now, but the Bible says, whether it's Drew, you, me, or either of these uh, ball players, Romans 3.23 says, what have we all done? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all got problems. We've got different problems, but we've all got a problem. Who is the solution to that problem? Jesus Christ. Yeah. And should I say that I was born um, to be an adulterer? Should I say I was born to be a thief? That's, that's not the appropriate response. No. Well, gentlemen, okay, we went yeah. past our time already. Oh, okay. Um, but very good conversation. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more. We invite those that have been listening to the program, whether live today or, or podcast recordings, please go to BibleQuest.tv, send in your thoughts, comments, questions, and we'll continue our discussion. We do have a, a number of other questions uh, in our queue, but we still want to invite you to send us more questions so that we can bring these topics up and discuss them, all revolving around Bible themes and subjects. Gentlemen, I want to thank you very much. 
want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving this week on Thursday. Enjoy your families, wherever you're at. And uh, look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. Oh, you have a question there, Scott? I just want to close with this text from 1 Corinthians 6. After listing the different type of sins, it said this. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an excellent last word. Take care.